Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Thought we'd spend some time this morning talking about how the virus has affected military operations around the world. And also, one of the questions I have on my mind, Jim, is did the American military spread the virus to China? Uh, how? The, the scientists all worldwide, especially in China, have been dissecting the uh, the virus it's you know the uh, the the, vi- the genetic uh, uh, makeup of the virus and one interesting thing was they found out that 80% of it was uh, SARS and the other 20% they're still trying to figure out where they came from but the current operating theory is that the uh, Wuhan virus or whatever you want to call it uh, was basically a merger of two viruses, two flu viruses, shall we say, or COVID viruses. COVID means, you know, out of animals. And uh, they don't know what animal or what person, most likely an animal, it combined, an animal that is not, does not develop, uh, you know, fatal symptoms, like many of these diseases, you know, they're, they're, benign in the original host, but once it jumps over to humans, you know, Katie barred the door. Uh, <clears throat> but that's what they suspect happened. Now, it's a telling uh, factor in China, well, as many telling factors, they officially outlawed, this was oh, a month ago, uh, uh, the, uh, the wild animal, live animal uh, marketplaces. Which have been growing enormously in China with the uh, with the uh, the greater wealth in the in the country, people can afford to buy these exotic, you know, uh, delicacies and eat them. Uh, that has been a classic method of transferring these these COVID viruses over for centuries, for thousands of years. I mean, measles, for example, they've traced back to some extinct wild buffalo in Central Asia, so we can't pin that one on the Chinese. Um, uh, but it apparently popped up in, in the Roman Empire several times, doing great amount of damage. Uh, and now, of course, we still have it. But the problem is that China was always the vector of that. And they don't like that because it reflects poorly on China. But they know it. I mean, the Chinese know it. The government knows it. But the government's trying to spin this as some sort of foreign conspiracy. But, you know, I think they should face the fact that they have met the enemy and just look in the mirror. Um, the Chinese are aware of that more so than the government. This is causing a great deal of unrest in China. Uh, Hong Kong has been jumping all over this. They've kept it under control in, in their tight little you know, city. Um, but they've been saying you can't trust the Chinese, meaning the Chinese government. And that, that call has been basically spreading to southern China, and it may go farther. Now, the government's doing all it can to basically suppress this. It's Tiananmen all over again. Um, and it's especially acute uh, for the current Chinese government because uh, Chairman Xi has declared himself, uh, before this all started, as another Mao, which I think was a bad analogy, but it flies better in China, at least did. Uh, and he's president for life. No more, you know, five years, we select another guy, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, now, the Chinese had no say in this, <laughs> but they don't like it, and they don't like the way Xi is dealing with the uh, the COVID-19 because he's saying things are all better now and uh, we have fewer of everything, but uh, that's not what the Chinese people are saying. Now, the, the Chinese are going to great lengths to suppress this kind of, you know, uh, rhetoric, uh, but they can't really keep it all out. You know, the Great Firewall of China, which which they spend billions of dollars a year on trying to control the electronic flow of information uh, is not 100 percent. It's probably not even 90 percent, because especially in times of stress, people go to great lengths to uh, find information and spread it. And it is spreading and it is not good for Xi. So he's got another problem there. Speaking of, you know, impact on the military, because. She, over the last few years, gone to great lengths to uh, remind the uh, Chinese military that they swearing an oath to him, to the Communist Party, uh, not to not to China. And uh, his worst fear is that the uh, the troops will begin to say, "Well, no, wait a minute. You know, what are we really here for? You're defending some clueless emperor, or you know, defending China." So there you go. Its impact on the military in China is probably the potentially greatest uh, in the rest of the world. It, it's like chemical warfare. We, we, I've, I've been mentioning this for years, you know, and how to make war books back in the eighties that the real reason or the main reason, practical reason that uh, chemical weapons were outlawed was because it, it messed up the, the control over the troops. It was like the current, you know, COVID-19, a panic weapon. It basically froze people into mobility. And of course we have a classic example of that here in the United States. Uh, that we've shut the economy down, and there's already, you know, I, I, the president is talking about the, the, the cure. The, the cure is worse than the disease, which, in the long term, or maybe even the short term, is probably true. Uh, but at the same time, if you look at other parts of the world, you know, where they don't have these health systems, you know, like I say, when it all blows over, they say, well, gee, there were more people dying last year. Well, so what? That happens. Uh, so, you know, knowledge is power, but sometimes it's also a source of panic. And I think that's what we're seeing with uh, COVID-19. Uh, now, New York, where in February, the uh, CDC was talking about, you know, uh, flu is going to continue to be a greater source of deaths, which it is every year, uh, than COVID-19. Uh, that may not be true now, but the, you know, it's not over yet. Um, and uh, what they're waiting on is whether or not, and, uh, and Austin, Texas may be the test bed for this, is whether, like most flus, it is weather dependent. You know, flu was always the disease that was the flu season, you know, starts in the, uh, in the, in the you know, these November, December, whatever, and it goes on for about mm, four, five, six months. And that's when most of the deaths occur. But it, as it gets warmer, you know, it, it just doesn't spread and, you know, it doesn't completely go away, but it diminishes enormously. Uh, so that's what we're waiting on now. What is it, 90 degrees down in Austin? Uh, it hit uh, 90 briefly, I think, a couple of yeah. days ago. And it's it's going to – it got into the mid-80s. Uh, yesterday, I'm not sure what's yeah. what's going to nobody's today. complaining yeah. about global warming at this point. <laughs> saying, Bring it on. The more heat, the better. Uh, but you know, the, the I think the CDC is is keeping an eye on hot parts of the United States where you do have COVID. You do have some of it down in Texas. Well, it's in one of the big cities or a couple of the big cities. Yeah, course- uh, uh, Jim, it's it's 
I, you know, I heard on on one of the local uh, news stations yesterday afternoon the uh, number of cases uh, in really the central Texas, Travis County, and uh, the surrounding counties. And but I don't, I didn't go back and look at. It. I don't remember what uh, what it was, and I don't want to misstate it. But it's not that not that many. Given no, most, the fact most of that it's about, in New York City, which says a lot of things. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, but, but you see, the greater the what, you know the uh, st- metropolitan st- statistical area that this draws on has over two million people in it. Yeah. But it's uh, the thing is, is it's with the exception uh, of downtown Austin, where that now there is a there are a lot of uh, condominium uh, 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 apartments, and it's it's high density. Most of the area is uh, 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 re- rather low density, particularly when you get out towards the hill country or start dropping down to uh, heading south towards San Marcos or north of Georgetown. And that's the low density is one of the reasons you, you're yeah even when you're being mobile <laughs> in a low density situation. Uh, you don't have as uh, as as uh, as much of a pro- uh, of a problem as you do, and uh, you know, like living in Manhattan. And I lived in Manhattan eight years. You can't yeah. you can't avoid it. I know, and not that you even uh, that's that's just what comes with the territory and living in a in a high density urban area like uh, New York City. Uh, the deal is though. Uh, you can it, it uh, I know anecdotally of about uh, six seven uh, uh, cases and they were picked up uh, the uh, the thinking is trying to trace it back they either picked it up uh, shopping or attending a meeting of some sort and yeah. that that can happen wherever you are including on an aircraft carrier and yeah. that's that's the thing so um, yeah, let, let me let me add one other thing that that COVID is is a you know an acronym for uh, coronavirus uh, dis, uh, disease. But you, Jim, you're right; it affects animals, birds, and mammals. And you know pri- we're primates. You know, uh, primates can get coronavirus. We do, and I'm I would guess I'm taking a wild shot on this uh, that that uh, chimps, orangs, and uh, gorillas can as well. Uh, uh, yeah, that's so uh, they uh, they are they're they're a threat. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's where we got the AIDS. Uh, it was it was apparently around in Africa for thousands of years, yeah. but only in monkeys. And but as the population expanded and people normally didn't hunt monkeys because they organize and fight back. Uh, but they bush meat, as they call it, yep. uh, slaughtered monkeys became more popular, and bingo, suddenly you've got AIDS all over the place, and then it, immediately, it eventually jumps, you know, to other parts of the world. Uh, but that was something, I remember there was a, uh, there was a, uh, when I was working with the CIA years ago, there was a woman there, a doctor, they called Dr. Death, and her main, her main area of expertise was studying this phenomenon, which they were well aware of. Now, they worked apparently, you know, in, in conjunction with CDC and what have you to track the the potential appearance of new unknown diseases because these are the ones that kill you, as the saying goes. Um, and they were uh, they were see- they were seeing Africa as the uh, the source of a lot of diseases that have always been there, but have never jumped to humans. 
And of course, as bushmeat became more popular, bingo, yeah, it is. Ebola came that same way. Ebola been there for years. And uh, as you get more people living closer together, uh, you get more transmission and suddenly it becomes noticed. I mean, the Germans noticed that, you know, in the 1960s when they discovered Marburg virus. And uh, I think that's one of the things that, that set the uh, off the CIA said, oh, my God, you know, uh, here's something that is a, <laughs> a, a no, unknown unknown, which is now becoming known. And it's scary. But the thing is, you can develop, you know, uh, uh, vaccinations for it, which they've done with the flu, which cuts the death rate by more than half uh, if you get enough people to uh, take the shot. But the other thing you got to keep in mind, and this is this is the Diamond Princess uh, experiment, as it were, that cruise ship. Uh, where they uh, where they basically had the, all those people uh, in confined spaces, no uh, real efforts to keep anything, you know, the infection spreading, and 80% of the people didn't get it. Now, that's fairly typical for, you know, influenza-type diseases. Uh, it doesn't affect everybody. Most people have immune systems or whatever that can resist it, and they never even catch it. But the 20% who did get it, half of them never showed symptoms. Now, they're the worst ones. They're the typhoid Marys. They can walk around until it, it, it finally gets out of their system, never knowing it was, they never know it was there. But they can breathe on a lot of people who are more vulnerable, and bingo, you know, you've got transmission, which is why, you know, I go along with this business in New York. The streets are empty. It's amazing. Um, and uh, the, uh, the ability to uh, detect... And to uh, to develop, you know, vaccines is our is our best defense. And a lot of people are worried about it is we won't get something developed quickly enough to uh, to prevent a lot of the damage from the first wave of the uh, coronavirus. Uh, but that's that's the trend in me- in medicine now. Again, getting back to the chemical warfare analogy, what's happening with armed forces? around the world, at least the ones who care about this, and a lot of them don't. I mean, especially in Africa, where most of the armed forces are are independent militias uh, doing whatever the hell they want. Um, uh, they probably won't even notice it. Uh, because unless it's it's got a huge death rate, which it doesn't, uh, it's, it's nothing like, you know, the bubonic plague hitting Europe, or the plague of Justinian, or the, uh, the uh, Augustine, the uh, 2nd century AD, uh, measles outbreak, apparently, in, uh, in Rome, which killed a huge chunk of the population. Uh, not as much as the plague of Justinian, but again, that one hit in more concentrated, more urban areas, where it did enormous damage. Constantinople was, was particularly uh, uh, hit. But uh, they had no way of basically developing a, uh, you know, an antidote, which we do. So with the bad news comes the good news. Uh, and part of the good news is we're, we're with in the rush to develop uh, vaccines uh, for COVID-19 means the FDA, the American FDA, which has always been considered, you know, uh, more of an obstacle than a, than a uh, than a facilitator of finding new cures. Uh, there are layers and layers of, of uh, well, restrictions. You know, safety values, uh, safety uh, safety measures uh, are being stripped away, and they're hustling into testing without going through all the layers and layers of, of preliminary testing, which the FDA normally approves. So I suspect the first you know COVID uh, uh, virus vaccine will be uh, will be issued with the caveat. Uh, there may be unforeseen side effects. 
but and so people have to decide you know do i risk the unforeseen side effects even if i know what some of them are or do i take the shot you know and, and count my blessings if i survive it uh but for the militaries, uh, they are of the of the, of the major powers. Uh, their militaries are basically mm, immobile. Uh, not saying they're absolutely uh, you know useless at this point, but the United States, for example, has frozen everything in place. Uh, the only places where they are basically out and about, and then only when necessary, is places like Iraq, to a lesser extent Afghanistan. Uh, and we're depending more and more on the uh, military actions that don't require human intervention, you know, to human contact, namely, you know, the uh, the surveillance, uh, drone surveillance, and then you. Using missiles when you find someone that you really want to, uh, you know, get rid of, uh, and that be that that may speed up that form of warfare. Uh, if you're going to have to face more and more of these, uh, how should I put it, uh, unpredictable uh, new diseases, uh, I don't know if that'll have a long-term effect right away, uh, but it'll make generals think, you know, mm, we got to be careful. That was what kept, again, things like that are what kept the Europeans out of Africa until the 19th century. You know, we we talk a lot about, for example, American slavery. Uh, those the people the the slaves that the Americans uh, uh, slave traders brought to the United States were already slaves when they were purchased. Uh, you know they they could trade at these at these coastal areas where there was less disease, nothing like a fresh sea breeze. Uh, that's why they call it healthy. Um, but it wasn't until after the slave trade was outlawed, uh, at least by the British in the, what was it, the 1830s, um, that Europeans uh, developed uh, uh, anti-malaria medicine. Malaria was the big killer, still is. Uh, that they could advance further in and basically establish colonies. So the colonies lasted less than a century. Uh, of course, they're blamed for every ill that now afflicts Africa, but as we explained in strategy page, you know, uh, it, that's not the case. But uh, it is a big, uh, how should I put it, uh, danger for military forces. The classic example was the 700,000 French troops that were sent to put down yet another uprising in Haiti, and almost all of them died uh, from disease, not from, you know, fighting the rebels. Uh, and the Haitians still celebrate that. Uh, I, I've never gotten into the details of what exactly they celebrate, but, you know, uh, that was a problem throughout the uh, Caribbean. In fact, you know, 90 some, 93, 94% of the, of the enslaved Africans uh, were sent to those areas because they died uh, less quickly than the Europeans did. Again, because they had some resistance to, uh, you know, tropical diseases, but they weren't immune. Um, and that is still the case uh, that some places have a, uh, how should I put it, a geographic edge in dealing with these diseases. Uh, that's why I'm saying uh, I mentioned that uh, in Austin, I <laughs> keep track of you know how the uh, how the uh, since they're testing people who have it, if they uh, if they get le- if they, it, it starts to plummet with the hot temperatures going up, that's really good news nationwide because it means if we have a uh, a, a early uh, very warm spring. Uh, uh, that means that there's less chance of the uh, accelerated spread of the uh, COVID-19. Uh, Jim, I just uh, did something I don't usually do during a strategy talk. I went to the computer to look up uh, 
the number of uh, reported cases in the state of Texas. And uh, as of yesterday, there were 974 cases reported statewide with 12 deaths associated yeah. with you got you get what I'm saying, right? Yes, indeed, indeed. Associated with it. Now, Travis County uh, yesterday and the surround there were 98 cases in Travis County, and uh, going around looking at the surrounding counties, I'm trying to remember what the, was said on the, uh, in the conversation and the uh, uh, on the talk uh, talk show, but I I, I know the uh, the Central Texas number was uh, somewhere around 100. Okay, so that most of it here in in Travis County, where uh, Austin is, and on the uh, Travis County page this morning, it's up from 98 to 119 cases reported. But it looks like there haven't been any deaths in the last 24 hours. Well, see, now this is something important to take note of. Based on the Diamond Princess data, which is again the only you know pure you know uh, <laughs> test as we've had as the the, uh, the overall impact of the COVID-19. I came up with a rule of thumb on that, where for every death, it's the deaths you've got to keep an eye on. And even even though some of those will be missed, because some of them might be misinterpreted right. as the, right. the common flu. Uh, for every uh, death, that means there are 1,000 people infected. Uh, so when they say there were 200 people, you know, died in New York City, that means there were 200,000 cases of it, because there have to be about 1,000 cases to generate one death. So they, the testing is, in, is incomplete. It always will be, because they're, they're turning out these, these, uh, these tests, uh, these, these, these COVID-19 tests, as quickly as they can. But they're not going to ever be able to test everybody in every area. Uh, so, you know, uh, I depend upon the rule of thumb of death, uh, rule of thumb of the, the COVID-19 deaths. Now, those are more likely to be, uh, be caught because most of these people are going to die in a hospital and there is, uh, there is, uh, the, uh, the tests are available and they can, and I think they can, and they are testing people who die from anything remotely uh, similar uh, to COVID-19 to see if this person died of uh, COVID-19. And that's why you get a more accurate thing. Now, 200,000 cases in New York is not, you know, unreasonable because this is, as you could say, a concentrated city. Uh, and uh, they, we really didn't get on top of it, you know, until February. Uh, so it had plenty of time to spread. Uh, they, the, uh, they ultimately, at first they poo-pooed, you know, the, uh, the president who, uh, banned early on, uh, incoming flights from China. Uh, now they're saying, well, it was a wise move quietly. And, um, the, uh, rest of the country, uh, didn't have much of an opportunity to get infected, uh, because the, the, the main vector, the source, uh, was China. And other countries are doing the same thing. I mean, they, they basically picked up on this, uh, you know, before the rest of the world have accepted it as, you know, uh, face value, even though it was clear that the damn thing had broken out first in, in Hubei County, uh, a province, and, and especially the city of Wuhan, the capital. Um, and uh, that's where the majority of the deaths still are. And of course, that's what the Chinese are complaining about. The government's issuing press releases about, oh, it's over, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's peaking, et cetera, et cetera. But 
and they're ordering factories to start up. Uh, they're opening uh, movie theaters, which is suspiciously nobody is attending. Um, and uh, there are stories coming out about factories which were ordered to reopen. The workers wouldn't show up. Uh, and now they, they, it was one story about factory managers who are basically turning on the equipment and, and because the government was monitoring electricity usage. Uh, so they tried to make it look like uh, they were back in production. But the, uh, the weather satellites, non-Chinese, are monitoring pollution over China and they're noticing that pollution is still way down. Now, that's what happens when you're actually producing stuff, not just cranking up the electricity, turning on all the, the devices, as it were, in the factory, uh, but not pumping out any of the, uh, the, the byproducts, the toxic byproducts that these factories normally turn out. Uh, so the government of China may be declaring victory, but the people are saying, no, 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 the war is still on. Now, whether or not it's going to you know, peak and decline with warm weather, that's something else. A lot of the uh, the epidemiologists, the you know the medical uh, statisticians, are keeping an eye on because that again seems to be the best indicator that it's going to peak. Uh, even the uh, the 1918 uh, influenza, although it went on for two years, that was two flu seasons. But in between, it declined again because even that influenza uh, would not spread as readily. Uh, during the warmer weather. You had to wait for things to cool off before this damn thing got going again. Uh, and it did so for two seasons. Uh, now, it's it's also true that the common influenza, you know, the normal influenza, which varies somewhat, you know, considerably in terms of its uh, its spread and its, and its, and its uh, you know, the number of fatalities, um, uh, also does that. And in many years, the uh, you'll have two or three strains of influenza running around. Uh, oh, I, by the way, I checked with my siblings, just double-checked. I never got the flu. I mean, that doesn't mean I, I am not a typhoid Mary, because they never test people who don't get it. Uh, maybe they do. I haven't been able to find any research on that. I haven't dug that deep, really. I haven't had the time. Uh, you know, I'm still working. My factory isn't shut down. Um, and... Um, the uh, the thing is, we really don't know. That's why the Diamond Princess was so important. These poor people didn't realize they were going to be such a useful, you know, predictive tool for COVID-19. But that's the way it was because they were stuck for two weeks with all this COVID-19 air circulating throughout the ship. They were still gathering in the dining rooms to eat. Um, and uh, when they when they before they let these people off the ship, they tested everybody. Uh, and that's where you've got a, a more or less definitive answer on just how many people get it, how many people die from it, and how many people are asymptomatic. And they're the most dangerous ones, which is why they should keep testing. Because, yes, you've got to find people who've got it who have no symptoms whatsoever. They're the ones you want to keep inside because they see no reason to you know, stay inside. Uh, but they're, they're basically the worst uh, uh, the worst. Uh, risk in terms of spreading the damn thing, uh, just like the classic typhoid Mary, which is very rare but not unknown for any disease for people asymptomatic but are basically pumping out uh, the disease with every breath they exhale. Hey, hey Jim, I want to answer. I, I want to answer Dan's question about the U.S. Army uh, spreading the disease in Wuhan because he started off with that uh, <clears throat> Chinese agitation propaganda lie and you know you didn't take the bait on it oh, oh yeah i, I, I want to i want to take the bait i, I, I want to take the bait. exercise yeah yeah uh dan that lie first appeared 
according to a, a, a article I read about four or five days ago, in a People's Liberation Army uh, newsletter on a website uh, in uh, in January, and it it developed a little bit. They, they I'm I'm always. Sometime I'd like to know how they evolve some of their plot lines because you know they're 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 writing fiction. It's big lies, and they tell them often. You know, like Joseph Goebbels' admonition: "Tell the big lie, tell it often." That's the the way you jam propaganda, uh, jam it down the, the throats all over the world. But this uh, the the accusation was that U.S. Army soldiers who were participating. And uh, an exercise. It was a competition, uh, and I remember reading about this uh, in uh, uh, on one of the defense uh, well, websites. It may have been in the Institute for Defense Analysis uh, 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 newsletter at the time, I, and it was in Hubei Province, Wuhan area, uh, and that was it. Took place in October, so they take something that's a fact. In October, that there were some U.S. soldiers participating in this competition. And that became, all right, that's true. Now, they brought the virus. There's no absolute, there's absolutely no evidence for that. As President Trump says, they know where it came from, meaning Beijing and its propagandists know where it really came from. Yeah, what Um, they're really trying to suppress is the fact that their doctors detected it in early December. Exactly. And, And it's, uh, it, uh, Jim, there's evidence, and, and, and look, one of the first people I heard this from uh, uh, was uh, in, in, in Thailand. It was uh, Michael Yan and I were on uh, Skype together, and he was in Thailand at, uh, in January and uh, talking to uh, several Thai doctors about this disease that was already showing up in Thailand because Chinese uh, vacationers on uh, Chinese New Year had yeah. gone to Thailand, and uh, he, the, the the one of the MDs that he had uh, had uh, interviewed the day before, and he was going to talk to him again down in uh, who was in ba- in Bangkok, advised advised the uh, Thai government on on epidemics, and this MD already had a pretty good picture of what this uh, what this disease was like and uh, uh, epidemic. And he says, you know, it's it's down here with there's just too many Chinese uh, visitors, and it's 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 back. And you know, it, it, there was already an indication that that Wuhan was the uh, uh, epicenter uh, of it. I'm going to say that uh, we had this conversation maybe the 12th, 13th, uh, 14th of January, something like that. So, I wonder if they tested those American troops who were over there for that exercise. Uh, you know, that would that's a good question to ask in retrospect. But I mean, they kind of say it's a cover-up, but, you know, yeah, uh, I, if any I, of them I, had it. Because I think they have tests now where they can they'll detect antibodies in the in a person who is you know long since you know past the uh, uh, exposure uh, to say that they actually had it at one point. But I suspect that would show that, no, these guys were perfectly okay. healthy. In fact, these, these were the healthiest soldiers we could send because it was a competition. All right. Some of this, some of this uh, is, is speculation, but it's speculation that, that now there was good in, in, intuition by uh, 
by MDs and epidemiologists that the first cases actually showed up sometime in late November in Wuhan. That's that's the thing. And the incubation period you hear initially, oh, it's four or five days. Well, there were already uh, MDs, including one of the people in in Thailand, saying, you know, it might be two weeks uh, given. (laughs) Well, all right. You see, the thing is. You, you're going back, and some of this is, is again, uh, you, we can classify it as informed gossip, since I've <laughs> given you, you know, the, the sources on it. And there were MDs seeing patients, talking to them about where they'd come from, how they'd felt, and applying their own, you know, experience to it. Say, wait, wait a minute, we don't know yet. You'd get a lot of that, but let me tell you what I'm seeing. And this is not somebody trying to try to, to scare people. It's somebody trying to pass pass on, you know, what uh, his direct uh, experience with these uh, uh, with these patients. But here, here's the thing: by the end of January, the Chinese are already beginning their propaganda campaign to try to save face. We know what they did. They tried to suppress knowledge of, uh, and they flat out denied that there was an epidemic there. There were plenty of conscientious doctors in Wuhan, including that Dr. Lee that I wrote about uh, a column in early February, and it turned out the day the column was published, we learned a couple of days later he died from uh, uh, the coronavirus. But he's one of the two MDs in December who put something on the Internet in, in China about their experiences with these ill people in, in the Wuhan uh, hospitals. The government shut it down. The government detained Dr. Lee. And uh, he had to recant, saying that he'd told shameful lies. Of course he hadn't. The Chinese Communist Party government suppressed the warnings of these MDs. And it, there's that right there is delayed a global analytic response if they'd begun sharing what they had, you know, the RNA and DNA, but it's it's a virus. It's a you know, most of them RNA, but they're the genetic code for the vi- uh, for the disease that their patients had there in Wuhan. The delay. How long is that delay that is due to the dictatorship? Three weeks. Looks to me more like six weeks. And yet they're the ones who've been telling us, and she is, uh, you know, yeah, he's the emperor now, but uh, he's also was going to, you know, China was going to be on top. By 2049, China would be the uh, global superpower. And the liberal international order, uh, this is their kind of made-up term for what the United States runs, they claim. It's it's a manufactured idea. Uh, but it would be replaced by their authoritarian model because they're far more efficient and they can get things done. The coronavirus outbreak, the epidemic, the pandemic that is traceable to their own ineptitude and their own dictatorial narcissism is really what it, uh, what it is, is, is on them. 
and they know it. Yep. The, the the other point uh, that has puzzled me, even though I understand it, uh, and it's, I, I think it's traceable back to uh, Chinese Communist Party uh, uh, propaganda, saying Wuhan virus is racist, racist, racist. And yet the American mainstream media in January and February, uh, there's even a Washington Post headline uh, talking about Wuhan, uh, Wuhan virus. If that is racist, Jim, is it is St. Louis encephalitis racist? What is, what is that? I know, look, or Lyme disease. I, I, I had a little fun in this week's call. <laughs> West Nile virus. Now, West Nile's a province in Uganda. Uh, I've, I spent uh, 10 or 11 days in West Nile province in an Ailer uh, ethnic group, the Ailer tribe <laughs> is, is the dominant ethnic group in West Nile province. I was there 10 or 11 days, little village uh, near the... Uh, uh, a town in Nebi. Now, is where's the outrage on West Nile virus? There wasn't any. I see the it, the Chinese propaganda apparatus is the one that has pushed this. And what is so, it's not amusing. It's sad. Is to see major media uh, organizations, outlets here in the United States repeat it. Rocky Mountain spotted fever, Dan. You know what? That slurs Colorado and Utah, doesn't it? I think it does. I mean, you've got the Rocky Mountains there in Utah, don't you? Oh, I believe we, you do. we do. Rocky, A lot of them. Rocky, <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Yeah, in Wyoming. I'm, it, it slurs Western Canada. You know? New Mexico as well. She. Wuhan virus. That, that's where it came from, and it, it is a smear. On, on the United States to say American soldiers brought it brought it to central China. Yeah, but the worst problem the worst problem for China is the Chinese aren't believing this, and that's what bothers Xi. I know, th- that's that's good. I believe that that it's so it is so outrageous that nobody's believing it other than the White House press corps. That's 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 it. And I'm I'm being a bit extreme on that. I know we don't we don't do that on strategy page, but I've been watching some of these uh, press briefings, not not wall to wall. And it's the carping and the you know, the shame, shame, shame. You shouldn't say this. You shouldn't say that. What? We're dealing with a a a huge crisis. It has health dimensions, medical dimensions, and now economic dimensions. And part of the economic dimensions are uh, the supply chains that, uh, yes, we did allow supply chains to move to China. And now we're looking at medicines that are manufactured in China that we need to be able to manufacture here, I'll say in North America. You can make, make it in Mexico and Canada as well as uh, uh, as the United States needs to be brought back, as well as some of the other manufacturing elements, especially when it goes in to our defense industrial base. And Dan, this is this is uh, 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 something that is instructive about this pandemic: is that if you're are you going to rely on first of all a dictatorship? that doesn't really care about its own people, that really cares about its own face. I'm going to use the, 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 the cultural term, but its own image more than anything else. And as 
Jim was uh, saying uh, earlier before we started started recording, there's been evidence that a lot of the uh, Chinese medical devices are defective. That's that's cropping up in, in, in testing. And I'll let Jim uh, talk about that. But I'd read that as well. We had a uh, had a lot of visits. I saw uh, in the last couple of days to that uh, article Jim wrote about uh, the Chinese attack helicopters and their inadequate engines. And it's they don't manufacture to the quality of Western manufacturers, particularly in aircraft. Jim has doubts about the quality of some of their uh, ships as well. Uh, and yet they tout themselves as the future. I think this is an insight into why the Chinese Communist Party is not the future. And, and Jim, if their own people aren't believing it, you know, and I've read the same reports, the people in Wuhan saying that they're lying, they're lying, you know, as, as the uh, senior officials are going around saying we're, we're reopening for business, uh, we'll find out. It's hard. It's hard to control information in the 21st century. And well, uh, another factor is the Chinese pay more attention to history, especially their own, uh, than people in, especially in the United States. Uh, and one thing they've always recognized is that empires fall when they lose the uh, mandate of heaven, meaning the the people no longer you know worship the emperor as being the the benevolent or the basically the guy who will save them from uh, internal and external problems. Uh, and that's that's what how the Chinese justify you know the uh, the overthrow of the the Song Empire, which is actually the you know the the, the Proto tip, the proto uh, Democrats in China who lost out, uh, the Nationalists, uh, in 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 nineteen uh, ten, uh, uh, but they basically picked up the the mantle as it were, uh, and they they basically made a lot of big mistakes, um, and uh, these have not been forgotten. You know, like the Great Leap Forward and the the Cultural Revolution in the sixties killed tens of millions. Um, and uh, and I think Xi is concerned that uh, the people will be you know running out of patience for the current empire em, dynasty, uh, and this could be you know eventually there's going to be something uh, you know a, a a mistake too far, uh, and they're concerned that this the way they handled uh, the Wuhan virus uh, may be the one. Uh, that's what they that's what they fear more than anything else. I mean, they feel if everything goes okay, yes, they will eventually become the the superpower, the least preeminent superpower on the planet. But they they can't do that if they're no longer in power. Uh, and of course, a lot of Chinese scholars say this is the reason why China fell so far behind the West in the first place, that you had emperors who were looking uh, over their shoulder and not forward. Um, and uh, the Chinese thought they had that beat, but maybe they don't. Uh, because, you know, something like this, you know, these biological threats uh, are something that does terrible things to uh, armed forces. Uh, historically, like the example of the French or, you know, Western armies in general, being troops being sent to the, uh, uh, to the Caribbean, this was considered a death sentence. 
you know, if your regiment was posted to Jamaica or something like that, whoops. And of course, the the the, uh, the the British, you know, learned from that lesson, and they basically took extraordinary measures to try and keep the troops healthy in these places. Uh, but the French in Haiti were basically the uh, the, uh, the 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 major indicator of what happens if you're reckless and don't pay attention, uh, you will lose an entire army without many shots being fired. Uh, and that is still seen as something that will uh, cause uh, tremendous changes in the balance of power. Uh, for example, in, in World War One, one of the reasons that the Russians lost, even though they had on paper in World War One, they had greater numbers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they couldn't control what they call the sanitary threat. Uh, for example, in World War II, they kept the uh, the actual losses uh, to Russia, which were about 29 million. They said it was only 10 million. Well, it turned out uh, that's something that came out, you know, documented uh, in the 1990s when the uh, the KGB, when the, the state archives were opened momentarily for a few years. You could get a lot of good stuff out. Uh, but and they actually, why we own it, we'll publish it, and they published, uh, you know, uh, copies of those documents, and. Uh, uh, two-thirds of the deaths in World War II were sanitary losses, as they called it. And these were primarily uh, civilian deaths due to disease and deprivation. Now, a lot of those you can pin on the Germans because they'd move into an area and they'd take over any housing, any food, et cetera, et cetera. And the civilians had to fend for themselves and a lot of them died. And that's where a lot of those, you know, those 20, 19 million sanitary losses came from. Uh, but the Russians had it figured out early, earlier than any other Western army that these sanitary losses are the big killer. And, of course, that's how they defeated Napoleon in 1812. Don't fight them. Uh, just keep retreating. And the further he goes into Russia, uh, through this scorched earth area where there's no shelter, there's no food, uh, they will die. And indeed, Napoleon's half-million-man army, only a few thousand, you know, eventually escaped. So that was a classic example of using that approach. But in many cases, you're not at war with anybody when one of these uh, unknown diseases breaks out. Uh, but you're still going to pay the price. And militaries have always been very, uh, uh, how should I put it, uh, vulnerable because they concentrate a lot of people in small areas and they, are, they, they still need supplies uh, and they can't completely isolate themselves. And that's why, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. Army, the U.S. military has basically been shutting down and keeping everybody restricted bases, taking extreme measures to protect the most valuable aspect of any military, your trained manpower. Uh, and that's something the Chinese, I don't know what the casualties have been in the, uh, in the military, but the North Koreans are, of course, they're, they're not saying anything. But again, information gets out, even in a place like North Korea. Uh, and it is spreading. Uh, and they're just simply trying to uh, prevent the spread, A, because the transportation network in North Korea was in a bad shape before, and it's been getting worse. But because of the, uh, they allowed market economy, you had the Dojin, the, uh, the entrepreneurs, the legal entrepreneurs. They were all over the place, as were the Chinese entrepreneurs you know, coming in and, and they're trading with the North Koreans. Well, now the, the Chinese are all gone. Uh, Chinese withdrew them, you know, uh, will, not willingly, but gladly, because they figured if there's any place you're going to die from this, it's going to be in, in North Korea, where there's no medical care like they have in China. But at the same time, the North Koreans are aware of the fact that they do not have 
the uh, the medical facilities that deal with something like this. They're just going to experience a big die-off. Uh, not as bad as they experienced in the 1990s when they lost over 10% of the population of starvation and, and related diseases. Uh, but they're going to take a big hit. And again, the problem is going to be, you've got the Kim dynasty in North Korea. Uh, they are losing the mandate of heaven, as they say, uh, and and I I don't know if we've have, I don't think we've run this piece yet. They got a piece coming out that they have a case system in uh, in North Korea, as they do in all communist countries. The Russians sort of invented that. Uh, you were classified once the rebels took over as to your your family's uh, actual and potential loyalty in the future, and you were branded for life. You know, as a as a as a bourgeois proletariat family. Therefore, you're not going to get in the university. Et cetera, et cetera. Same thing in North Korea, but now they're changing that, and they're going to basically reshuffle the entire deck. Everybody is going to be examined and be assigned a new, uh, you know, case, as it were. And uh, that's probably going to mean a lot of the upper class people are going to be end up in the lower case, lower case. Uh, and if, uh, moving forward, they're going to try and enforce that. Now, they haven't got the tools the Chinese have, but the Chinese are even, even discovering that their social uh, usefulness score, I forget exactly what the term translates as, um, with all the, the big brother, the the, vid, the video cameras, the face recognition, you know, et cetera, et cetera, being able to track everybody's uh, cell phone location, uh, that is incomplete because, as we discovered, or as I discovered earlier on and noted, that uh, the corruption uh, fights against that because people who have the money, they can pay to basically uh, spruce up their score. Um, and uh, this is something the North Koreans are even less capable of doing, and the corruption is, is growing to uh, epidemic proportions over the last decade. And that's one reason for changing the Songmung system, uh, because they're finding out the most loyal families are, are generating an unseemly number of, uh, oh, obviously disloyal, you know, uh, people. Uh, so there's going to be some long-term effects of this virus, whether or not it, it kills a lot of people, it's basically making a lot of people uh, aware of the fact of whether or not they can trust their government. Uh, and this is what, you know, in the United States and, and even throughout the Western world, governments are realizing, you know, we have to face up to, uh, you know, failures and, and make good as quickly as possible. Otherwise, well, you're losing elections, and we got a big one coming up in the, this this fall <laughs> in the United States. So that, that'll be another social experiment we'll all participate in. Um, but uh, China, even without elections, uh, and they they really haven't had a democracy, a nationwide democracy ever in China. Uh, but that may be the thing that eventually gets China a democracy, because the people realize that uh, the only ones who can really, uh, really should be making decisions, big decisions, are the people that most affects. And of course, China was concerned that if they created this huge middle class, which they have done, they basically reduced abject poverty from something like over 60% to less than, you know, 10%, you know, in the last 20 years. Uh, that's a major achievement you don't hear much about, but it means a whole lot for China. Uh, but at the same time, the way they implemented it, uh, they created this, this genie, which it tends to, uh, you know, uh, destroy dynasties, uh, and they can't put it back in the bottle. Uh, so uh, I think the the long-term impact of uh, the, the Wuhan virus, or whatever you want to call it, uh, 
has already is already underway in China, and it's not looking too good for the dynasty. As for the rest of the world, well, to a greater or lesser extent, uh, some countries are dealing with it much better than others. You know, compared, you know, uh, comparatively, statistically, the United States is handling it quite well. Uh, nobody wants to say that, at least not in the media, because that's not news. That's not going to get your eyeballs, or, uh, or you know, and uh, uh, the. Uh, but when the dust settles and you look at the numbers, say, hey, we did pretty good. Uh, 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 Jim, we're we're doing some absolutely superior broken field running. I mean, changing uh, anesthesiologists. Uh, 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 apparatus, you know, into into ventilators with a, 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 a by changing a couple of valves. That was a some uh, an anesthesiologist apparently thought of that about ten days ago. I heard uh, this uh, discussed uh, in the uh, president's briefing yesterday. The question about it, and now it's already being done. I mean, that's that is uh, an intelligent individual. Who understood what, you know, how the, the that uh, I'm trying to remember the the, the, the specific name for it, but it's, it goes over a uh, a patient's uh, face to uh, administer a, 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 a anesthesia, a gas a, a anesthesia, and just reverse it. Now you've got uh, a, a respirator. You can do that in a free enterprise democracy like the United States because we're adaptable. And we look for ideas, and we don't try to suppress them. Well, I know sometimes they get suppressed by regulations, big business, big government. But in a time of crisis, we can respond. And yeah, we're so doing. It's still, we're so, doing. It's still saying uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I want to make uh, one other point too. Uh, that you, I thought you were going to get onto it a, a moment ago when you were talking about um, health. Uh, health of, uh, of military organizations. Listen, field sanitation. The United States is a field sanitation power. You don't think about it. You do think about it if you've ever been in a tactical unit and, uh, and deployed. And because uh, senior NCOs are going around saying, no beards, shave, short hair. Well, that already goes, uh, goes with it. Cleanliness, you know, take what that would be called colloquially a horse bath, a horse shower, you know, wash yourself yeah. off under the arm. That's the term for it, guys. Uh, Jim, I know you've heard it. And yeah. you're wa uh, 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 washing under your armpits and various other places in your body. Wash your hands. Keep yourself as clean as, uh, as possible. Medic check. It go that's going on when you're, uh, you're in the field. And, of course, the same kind of thing. And, and, and garrison, morning formation, it's a time <clears throat> for the NCO and officers to f find out if somebody's sick. Yeah. That's one of the things that goes, in fact, that goes you, on with it. If yeah. you look at the history of military medicine, the United States is one of the, not not the only one, but one of the leaders in that area. Absolutely. Because we, in, during the Civil War, it was noted. We, we were keeping a lot of statistics, and we noticed that, like all in all previous wars, uh, you were losing more men to non-combat, you know, uh, of course, disease uh, and the sanitary problems in general. Uh, 
and uh, that started changes even even into the uh, you know even during the Civil War, uh, and of course by the time World War One came along, that was I think it was the first major war where more troops were lost to combat than to non-combat causes, and and that escalated even into World War Two. Now the Russians. Uh, still had the attitude, well, if we can't do all that stuff, they knew about it, and they did implement it when they could. But when they couldn't, they said, well, we'll just lose a lot of troops. And that's why they suppressed the uh, the number of losses uh, to, uh, to non-combat causes in World War II. Because uh, many of the, I, I don't know what the exact, I, I have the, uh, God, I think I have an English translation. My Russian isn't good enough to pour through that book. But I think a large proportion of the sanitary losses were troops. Now, they did uh, give priority to the soldiers for food and medical care and what have you. But in the field, if they couldn't implement the uh, the sanitary uh, rules that we know about from being in the American military, they simply say, all right, we'll take our extra losses and we'll consider them combat losses. But they're not really. They're just losses you couldn't afford to, pre- to prevent, uh, you know, outside of the, the battlefield. Uh, and you're simply accepting because, you know, things must go on. Uh, but in a major war, that is still a major threat. Uh, that's why you're seeing so many losses in, in Africa in the wars, the irregular wars they've been suffering, you know, for decades now, uh, that so many of the, uh, the people with weapons organized, uh, are not disciplined and they are basically looking after themselves. But Hey, if they start, do something that starts a epidemic among the civilian population, some of their guys are going to get it, but they just haven't learned that lesson yet because they're thinking like brigands, not like soldiers. Uh, We we learned it. We learned it early. And there was another thing too. You were talking about tropical diseases. Look at the push that the U S army made about yellow fever. And of course, uh, Panama canal. Yeah. Oh, no. All right. It's it. uh, There's a concern about it. It's uh, first of all, it's a democracy being concerned about voters. I'm being, being yeah. semi-cynical <laughs> with that. But secondly, no, you you want to keep your uh, your units together so they uh, can serve as go to combat healthy. Uh, that's not cynical. That's that's the job, and that's that's why I you know it is cheeky to say, hey, the U.S. military is a field sanitation power, but it is. And a lot of the things that say, oh, look, look, they're being martinets marching around and all that. You know, I'm talking about the, yeah. the left, left, leftist critique. A lot of that stuff comes into it, not only staying in shape, but also keeping people healthy. And they don't know that because they've never been in and they don't pay any attention. No, they don't. They don't know. Well, in, so, World War, in World War II, that was a major weapon we used against the Japanese. For example, sure. in, Guadal- in Guadalcanal, we spent a lot of effort keeping the Japanese from getting any supplies. You know, they would have to run it down at night, you know, on fast ships. They converted destroyers to, uh, you know, food and, and supply transports. Uh, and that's where President Kennedy got run over at night in his big T-boat. They were patrolling, looking for these guys to, to put a torpedo into these fast transports. And one of them ran them down at night because nobody had any lights on. Uh, but this worked because eventually the Chinese, uh, the Japanese uh, nickname for uh, Guadalcanal was Starvation Island. 
because if you're sent there, you're more likely to die from starvation and disease uh, than from uh, enemy bullets. And of course, even for Americans, it was pretty tough. But we were we had much lower losses, sanitary losses, as the Russian call it, than the Japanese did. And eventually, when we made the big push. The army, the Marines were long gone uh, to uh, you know throughout the island to to mop up the remaining Japanese. They found a lot of them. Uh, they were there, but they couldn't even lift the rifle because they were so uh, wiped out by disease and 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 hunger and what have you. And that's where we took most of our prisoners. Well, gentlemen, we're we're out of time, and th- there were actually some <laughs> other topics I wanted to bring up, and maybe we'll have to do this again in two weeks. Uh, Thanks, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.